We're gonna make a podcast about Death Note and I'll get my friends to watch it on TV. I already showed them a couple shows so they have trusted me. Maybe, kinda. Good morning, good evening, good whatever it is, wherever you are, and welcome back to Sudden But Inevitable, the single season television rewatch podcast starring me, your host, Captain Bootscoot, aka Vanilla Husband, aka Jesse. And of course, this season, season four of Sudden But Inevitable, we are watching through the single season anime Death Note. Of course, to do that, I have to bring along my very longtime friend and co-host, Josh. Josh, welcome back to Sudden But Inevitable. How do you predict your week will have gone at this point? I was just going to say, my week has been great. Uh, it's I, Friday is my favorite part of the week. Uh, I'm, I'm ready to, to do this show. No, it's we're pre-recording this. So I have a <laughs> feeling that my week is going to be a little crazy. I'm starting a new job. So Ooh. I'm hoping that by the next time you see me... I'm not all frazzled. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, speaking of frazzled, we do have another friend to introduce you to, and that is Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. Welcome back to the future of Sudden But Inevitable Season 4. How are you doing tonight, my friend? I am doing good. I am going to follow in Josh's footsteps and reject your notion of time traveling. I'm going to talk about my Saturday <laughs> night instead. I've got some big plans. I went out and got some sushi from the local grocery store. I got a Red's um, apple ale that, uh, you know, alcoholic cider. And I'm going to watch Candy. Oh, apple cider. Yeah, I'm going to watch Candy, the Hulu, like, murder mystery show of the week that came out this week. I'm just going to have a sad white girl Saturday night. I was just going to say, you're taking yourself on a date, my friend. (laughs) You are. That is date mode. That is all that is. But kind of jealous. <laughs> I I think that there is. Let me take that back. I know there is a portion of our audience that identifies with that part of your personality, and they are probably having a field day right now. Now I'm sure. Really quickly, both of my good friends here have mentioned it already, but I will go ahead and clarify. Yes, normally, sudden but inevitable is a show that you can be a part of by joining our live chat at youtube.com slash twistmyarmpodcast every Friday night at 8.30 p.m. Mountain Daylight Time, or Mountain Standard Time, kind of depending on what part of the year it is. So this week, however, we are pre-recording these the, the coverage of these two episodes of Death Note for several reasons, not the least of which being Josh's new job. There is a lot of real-life stuff happening for us all this month, so we figured, you know what, we're going to do something that we very rarely do and plan a full week ahead. Now, weird. Yeah, I I know, because this is uncharted territory for us, and we're like, I don't even know how to put together a show without a live audience to bounce ideas and jokes off of. What we did was we we went, okay, who's the smartest person we know that knows everything about pop culture and anime <laughs> that there is to know about those things? And, of course, you have listened to us before, so you know that I am talking about Philip Krogmeyer, the super fan. You can find him on Twitter, at FlipWriter. Philip, welcome back to Sudden But Inevitable, my friend. How has your week been in regular time? Not bad at all, Jesse. Not bad at all, man. Just... Uh celebrated my birthday yesterday and just kind of hanging out having a good weekend so happy Happy birthday birthday. thank you thank you yeah 
so you'll recognize that sound playing behind me if you have listened or watched Sudden But Inevitable before. So I just want to say thank you for being here with us, Phil, and thank you, Ricky and Josh, for helping me try to plan ahead a little bit. And thank you to all those listeners who would be live chatters, but this week are just regular old supporters, which we appreciate more than we can possibly tell you. So thank you for putting up with us. We know you're there. Before we get into this week's episodes of Death Note, let's really quickly ask our good friend Phil. We know, as I said, that you are sort of a a pop culture sponge. Uh, please, <laughs> please, yeah, please explain for those of uh, those in the audience what is your relationship with Death Note? How many times have you seen the series? Have you watched it front to back? Have you seen the? Have you read the manga? Uh, take it away. Okay. So, so Death Note first uh, came into kind of my world uh, in 2007-ish, I want to say, whenever it was the uh, dubbed version of the anime first hit the U.S. And I fell in love with it instantly. It was one of the first, like, new new series to hit adult swim that i just absolutely binged through as it came out um i have read all of the manga i own i want to say about half of it as far as like actually owning print volumes of it i have seen the original japanese live action adaptation in theaters when that was a like two night limited event that they did at the local theaters. That's um, cool. I own it on DVD now too, but I, I absolutely loved that when that dropped in the U S the dubbed version of it had the English anime dub cast doing the dub for the live action movie. I was like, God, this guy sounds just like the voice actor for Light. I was like, oh, shit, that is the voice actor for Light. Um, Now, of course, I would be remiss not to mention that the same thing was done in reverse for the Japanese uh, dub of the live action. The American live action, the the Willem Dafoe. Cowboy Bebop. Oh, oh, the Bebop version. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So they took the live action Netflix Bebop and they and had they got that the Japanese VAs by the Japanese oh. anime voice cast so that people watching the new live action version would it would sound like it was yeah. So I that I was like makes me so happy. Yeah, and that's oh probably just an extra layer of just greatness for the Japanese audience like ugh, I'm a little bit jealous. Yeah, no that <sighs> is absolutely fantastic. Okay, well so now that you've established that Phil, let me ask you really quickly I'm just going to say thumbs up or thumbs down the Netflix adaptation of Death Note into a single movie. Haven't actually done the Netflix version. so Note to self yeah. for so... later content purposes. <laughs> you know, All right, gentlemen. Yeah. I I steered away from it. so I'm glad I didn't watch it. I told Jesse at the beginning of this, I was like, I'm just going to watch the Netflix movie and like see what happens. And he's like, you probably shouldn't do that. Yeah, it would really color the way you feel, I think, about the entire thing. So yeah. I am going to watch it. I am totally going to watch it after this, though, to just I think we'll it use it. Yeah, cause... I think we'll do an episode on it. I think there's no reason not to. So yeah, lest we be accused of going on a tangent despite having <laughs> virtually no reason to do so because there's no live audience here to distract us. 
Let us explain really quickly that what we're doing this week is following last week's episode, of course, we are covering the next two episodes of Death Note, which are episodes 11 and 12, which are called Assault and Love, respectively. Now, at the end of our (laughs) fight, Assault assault love it's actually the other way around but well I, it uh, sounds better <laughs> it does if you were going to name a band um so at the end of our last episode we had just found out that some tapes had shown up at sakura tv and they purport to be from kira and they have instructions with them and josh i believe you said something along the lines of i'm very excited to see more of death notes j jonah jameson so I will I will throw it to you first, Josh. Um, how did you feel? Is that what we're calling Tamagawa? I like. I think that's Absolutely. what Josh is going to call him. Josh Absolutely. is. I'm not going to throw you under the bus here or anything, but Josh is not great with names. So <laughs> nicknames, that's not throwing me under the bus. That is just facts, <laughs> right? Nicknames are a helpful tool for us here at Sudden but Inevitable. So um, I I will ask you right away, Josh. What did you think about? Uh, this setup we're getting j jonah jameson right away right we're getting the we as we are used to now the immediate uh continuation of the story from last week what did you think of this character i still enjoy him he now now he's a scared shitless j jonah jameson where he's like i really wanted this story but not like this not like this (laughs) so i i like i like to see his reaction especially when when uh jedi master Light's dad comes in. <laughs> we will get there. We will get there. That's like, jumping ah. ahead. I, I know, but I'm saying like just that, a little bit. That, so that, those are like the two scenes: the first scene and then the scene when dude comes in and like demands tapes. And it was like his two scenes were were definitely not amazing. disappointing. <laughs> yeah, right. And and I gotta agree with you 100. percent Now that I have asked Philip a question and Josh a question, let me ask Ricky D a question. Ricky D, what did you think of Kira's voice in this first episode uh, over the tape, right? Like the super distorted voice. And after you tell us what you think about that voice, I will have to ask, did you think that this was light? Did you just assume, okay, this is light and he's confronting Elle in a way that Elle is familiar with? Uh, I definitely assumed it was light. Uh, I mean, we've floated the concept of another Death Note around. So that's something we've talked about, but I'm... I'm never, it's not something that I'm expecting. It's kind of like, okay, that could happen, but it's not, I'm not just waiting for it to come down the road. So I was totally hit offside uh, when light just goes, that wasn't me. I didn't recognize the voice. In fact, if anything, they were both, uh, both the real Kira and the new Kira are using some kind of voice scrambler. And I think that light's voice kind of sounded more feminine and this new female Kira kind of sounded more masculine through the recorder. So I, I had no idea what was coming our way, and I was actually oh, the that's opposite. So much I, fun! Just I kind of had my <laughs> suspicions. I was like, "Huh," because I, I, you know, when you listen to L and his distorted vocals or distorted voice, it kind of sounds like him a little bit once you know his real voice. So I kind of like, and I watched this episode a lot today, and. And it was like at first I was like I don't think I don't think that's actually him. Like I think that might be something else. Um, it's the to that point. It's the speaking cadence, and and right. we will get there because part right. that's part of one of my segment choices. But for me, I so the first time that I saw this, I was like, 
I have no idea who that is. Maybe that has to just be light going. This will really shine L on. Like I'll totally mock his setup, and it'll be like kind of you know gross and sloppy version of that, but more gothic. And the voice, though, going into it this time, I can hear the difference in the cadence of the voice, even though it's going through the scrambler. It's much more of a up and down and up and down and sort of a lilt to it and kind of fun and you know we'll get to why that is sort of um (laughs) but it's you can hear why this person employed the voice scrambler because it makes them sound way different than they actually sound in real life whereas to your point and that was a great point that l doesn't sound that much different once you know how he actually talks Mm -hmm. like once he's got his his computer screen up, it sort of just makes it a little more robotic, but it still sounds like him, right? Well, and the the, so, the um, killing the news anchor during that, I was like, that can't be light, because he doesn't just. I mean, yes, he has killed some people that he shouldn't have killed, but never been just random like that. I like, was too busy laughing I'm at gonna that hold scene. you all hostage. Yeah, <laughs> it was hilarious, yes, but at the same time, I was like, that, there's no way. Like, a, it doesn't really sound anything close to light and b he's not just going to kill some news anchor just to do it like he would he would pull off some sort of uh stunt like this for l with a criminal you know he'd be like right check out this criminal watch them die instead of just some innocent bystander so to your point though this this you know the second kita did do that at first they were like look here's these two dead criminals now i'm going to kill this news anchor like i'm proving that it's me which if you're you know as you go along you go oh, i guess i realize he wouldn't need to reprove that if it were actually him right like he wouldn't need to he i mean he might do it but he would do it with something more his style so we have to talk about ukita here right because ukita is like okay i have to get to the TV station and stop this. Like the right thing to do is to not let them broadcast any more of this message. I have to go there my damn self and fix this problem. He is compelled to act, and it's by as a detective he's by like, duty. Yeah. No, it, yeah. it is it is the absolute kind of pinnacle of his career as a as a member of the Japanese police force. He he knows that that is what he has to do. Well, and he happens to run out of the room as the second Kira is explaining, like, look, I won't kill innocents. Like, as long as you just hang out for a minute and let me finish this this message, I won't kill anybody that's not, you know, in my way. But he ran out of the room during that part of the message, and he ended up getting there, you know, just in time. Now, I, I have to say that the feeling when somebody that we're not expecting to get killed by a heart attack gets a heart attack, like the moment of, oh, they're gone, that realization, that dawning, like, OF moment never goes away no. in this series for me, especially the first time you watch it. Yeah. So even honestly, even on repeated viewings, those those deaths, those deaths still hold up. Yeah. Even knowing what's coming, I would totally agree with that. So but I have to ask, Josh. When you saw Ukita reach for his gun and then just stop, like, were you like, okay, the the new Kira is here or light is here? Like, what was happening in your head? That, I mean, that, I was like, someone knows who these people are. Or they have some, some way of figuring it out. Oh, wait a minute. And then it kind of unravels as it, as it goes on. I'm 
still like after seeing this guy have the heart attack, I'm still on the did Light's dad get put in the book? And especially now, did he get put in the book to have a warning heart attack and then possibly get killed off later? Um, especially knowing what I know now, I'm I'm starting to kind of think that that might be a thing. Spoilers. What hey, about what about you? I guess. Did you think? I, did, did I it's spoil not, it? No, no, and it's not a bad theory. And he's saying to answer yeah, no, it would be a spoiler. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, giving you the answer would be the spoiler. So so. What about you, Ricky? Were you like, oh, okay, Light has clearly just done the ideal at this point? Like, did you figure he had finally accepted it after having it mentioned to him so many times? Or where were you with this when uh, when Ukita got killed outside the TV station? Yeah, I still thought it was Light doing all of this. Uh, I figured maybe he was nearby, and he probably has a decent enough idea of who his father's co-workers are that he could make that work. So I was really just riding with it. And you know, if I had thought about it a little harder, I probably would have been a little bit more suspicious. But, you know, these episodes are pretty quick. Uh, the storyline moves really fast. And I was just like, all right, L's killing people to preserve his plan. Let's let him go forward. I'm such a digger. I dig into things way too much. <laughs> like every single shot. I'm like, what does this mean? Like... <laughs> well, and this is kind of the first. So we recently saw the first instance of light sort of freaking out because he had lost control completely, right? I would say this is our first instance of that happening to L. Mm-hmm. Like L is oh, furious here, but he but he's still not convinced that it's Kita, right? Like specifically because Aizawa is like, "Hey, he's supposed to have a name and he didn't have Okita's name." So, it's like immediately despite being way freaked out, he's still already thinking and deducing, which makes him that much different from light like we assume light is doing that but we just we see light freak out for a longer period of time before he's able to like kind of take a breath and then move on from there so you guys i have to mention i know that up to this point ricky d there hasn't been a lot in this series that would fall squarely within your purview of like oh i would watch a show about this this or this right now i feel like the old duty-bound police officer climbing out of his hospital bed after having recently had a heart attack, hijacking a bus, and driving it through the front window of a freaking TV station is the kind of thing that might start to be up your alley? Or were you like, come on, this is ridiculous? Or were you like, okay, all right, I'm here for this? No, this week's episodes I was very excited about. I I do feel like I've been saying it feels like we're kind of running into the end of the show uh, you know, it, it it's feeling claustrophobic. I don't know how this can extend. And then it's like we were only reading half of the map and all of a sudden you unfold it one more time and all this new information and this whole world kind of opens up. It's like, oh, there's a lot more here. Let's uh, let's like when you're see playing a video game. So you're yeah. playing a video game and the space world opens up. You're like, wait, what? <laughs> Ricky, this this sequence of uh, Chief Yagami charging the station is exactly why I wanted to be here for these two episodes. Yeah. This, that <laughs> sequence alone. Phil knows Ricky well enough to know that this could be the moment with a capital M. Uh, and actually, when he blew through the front doors, I actually rewinded it like three or four times because <laughs> I was like, I had to get back to where he actually left the hospital. I was like, what is going on? Like, I'm not used to this kind of, this much excitement. It is a 
relatively uncommon high action sequence for an episode of Death Note. There's there's a lot of a lot of buildup and a lot of standoffs throughout this entire series. So when we get those big action pieces, they really, really shine. They they make those action scenes just as good as their dialogue and storytelling. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I think that's what makes it so so awesome because like you you get some incredible like back and forth between like say light and l from the last two episodes and you get some amazing back and forth from light and ryuk and then like there are just those ridiculous action scenes that pop up out of nowhere that is super cool this one especially i mean the 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 chief comes around looking like a jedi (laughs) like his cloak up and he's like I just wanted He's protecting them to protecting like, his face. Move right, of course. I know that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> but he's got a brown cloak on that I'm like, yeah, Jedi yeah, Master they didn't Chief invent man. Brown cloaks. <sighs> they they did though, Jesse, a long time ago. A long time ago in a galaxy <laughs> far, far away. Right, guys, I hate both of you equally. So, uh, Ricky, I've never seen Breaking Bad. Did Chief Yagami have some Breaking Bad vibes oh here by like crashing through the building entrance? I wouldn't know what to associate that with. I would say whatever the vibes are, they're badass, especially when combined with the guitar just going absolutely bonkers in the background as the Chief draws his weapon on this guy. Like The guitar is losing it. I have a specific scene this reminds me of, but I'll bring it up after This Ricky. poor security guard. Uh, But yeah, it definitely has, this show does have a lot of Breaking Bad vibes. I was watching an episode earlier today, as a matter of fact, and there's a lot of, uh, there's Walter White, he's the main villain, and then there's Hank, he's the main police officer that's kind of chasing him, and they're always bathed in different colored lights, and uh, just all the color tones, and there's a the cat and mouse game that's constantly going on, where they're both like at the peak of their... uh, abilities and they're just, just out maneuvering each other it's very similar and this scene I like that this scene specifically him driving the bus into the the building reminds me a lot of the scene in breaking bad where um walt like rolls up and just runs over two dudes out of nowhere i don't know if you remember that one i can't remember the specific oh, yeah. like context of it but there's like two guys that are attacking someone or whatever and he like just takes his ridiculous dad van and runs over these two guys out of out of nowhere and it's super and surprising there's also a scene where they take that rv that they're cooking in and they run it through a chain link fence That's where it's right. very very similar yes, to driving the bus through the glass windows in this one very sure. very famous sequence so so well known in pop culture that i know it without actually ever having seen a full episode of breaking bad it's not for everyone. That that show is definitely not for everyone. So I have to say that to the point that was brought up, and I think it was you, Josh, I'm really sorry that you're saying they shoot their action in kind of the same pacing as they mm. do their dialogue where it's like frantic and back and forth. Mm-hmm. To that point, we actually get some of that like action cinematography by having Elle talk on not one, but two cell phones at the same time in 2006 this is the first thing of (laughs) this is the first of two instances of things outside of the whole shinigami thing that i think would be unheard of in 2006 the other one 
is uh, I think in the next episode, Watari streams a video to them, mm-hmm. which is probably like one of the first instances of the word stream in media anywhere, I would think. I but, caught that. Yes. Yeah. So, but I okay. I didn't catch that. I, oh, yeah. This show of solidarity and defense um, of the chief of with all these cops showing up, it actually really did get me uh like feeling feelings and i'm not like i'm not gonna lie i love this this scene oh it, it, it's a super it's a super patriotic moment though i mean like right and i'm not really one to like rah rah the police or anything but i uh, will absolutely rah rah some camaraderie yeah uh, so having the guy who if you guys notice the guy who left the l's group earlier is the guy that shows up to bring all the cops to rescue the chief, the the guy that would have been the sixth member or whatever, who was like, okay, now that we're outside, I'm out because I don't trust L. That's the guy that brought all those cops to save the chief. And even just talking about that is making me feel a little bit emotional. I was like, I am so happy for the chief now. He still has his loyalty to Chief Yagami. Well, and the chief still has his way of getting people to stand behind him. Oh, yeah. He's still just such a like heroic kind of dude that... He is an incredibly charismatic guy. I mean, yeah. he is, he's hes the Death Note version of Jim Gordon. Yeah, I would follow him to yeah. the death. I think that's, uh, yeah, and that's, I think, a big thing about him is he's able to inspire that um, loyalty. And I think that's probably part of what made, in our last episode, we talked about how Light seemed to almost be convincing L that he really did want to find Kira to save his dad. And... I think that's because it's believable that Chief Yagami would inspire that level of loyalty, and and L knows that. So I think that's a great connection to draw. Um, so then we basically get this scene of Light breaking down everything that just happened, Ricky, and it's like he's standing in his room going, okay, somebody else is clearly killing people for me, and I don't know why, but that's cool. <laughs> so at this point, I'm thinking, okay, now he's a step ahead of L, right? And then we cut back to L, and it's like, uh, no, L, L has the same idea. Yep. He's figured it out. Like, <laughs> he knows that there are differences between these two kiddos, but he also knows that, like, this new kiddo is more dangerous because he doesn't ha- he doesn't know anything about them. Like, at least with the first kiddo, L is like, I know how he thinks, and I can get to know him, and this, that, and the other thing. But I do have to ask you, Ricky, how were you feeling at the end of episode 11 exclusively about the Misa character, who's the the girl? The girl, okay. I'll just call her the blonde girl. Yeah, uh, <laughs> very excited. Uh, I'm excited <laughs> to see somebody, something, a new, something new coming into the fold. Uh, like I said, it's like we've unlocked a new section of the map. Uh, and I love that metaphor. Yeah, I have that's, to say. That, that is actually really, yeah. really really solid yeah so uh by the end of episode 11 i kind of hate her which is good to have strong emotions towards a new character but right now i'm just super curious to see where are we going to be going into this new world i like it so josh i will ask you because i feel i mean i know that i do the steamrolling thing but it's hard for me to gauge it without a live audience. It's sort of weird. Those of you out there listening right now in podcast land, thank you so much for downloading and listening every week. We appreciate you more than we can ever tell you. Josh, is there anything from episode 11 that you think we still have to talk about that I blew past or that we didn't dig into deeply enough? Anything like that? I'm scrubbing right now. I think one of the main things was just that they brought light into the task force 
um, even though L is still kind of suspicious about him. Like he, they brought him in, and L was like, "You cannot let him know that we think there's another Kira out there." That's in the next episode, isn't it? I thought it was this one. Am I thinking? Am I t- getting too far ahead of myself here? Because I think at the end of this episode, he's just he's saying, saying that okay. he will yep. join. He'll invite. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right. I'm sorry. I'm just getting a little ahead of myself. You're good. You're good. Um, do you have anything so, from? So, no, I I really don't. All right, uh, Phil. In that case, do you have anything left from episode eleven that you'd like to discuss? So one of my favorite things in this is that they're still saying, "Hey, um, yeah, we've got this missing woman here at the very beginning. We're still missing Masoka. We don't know where she is." Uh, if we're going to put her information out there to try to figure out what happened, be sure to use police sketches and not photographs. That's mm, that's interesting because, interesting because they're still they're still sorting yeah. out how Kira's power works and yeah. what he needs. And is that actually is that the detective girl that went and killed herself? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. The, um, FBI agent, ex FBI agent, or whatever. Okay. Again, names. Naomi Masaka. <laughs> no, nah, Naomi. Wait, okay. Naomi, Naomi Misura. Yeah, Misura. Okay, okay. Yeah, excuse me. My bad. Nah, you're good. I, <laughs> yeah, no, I misread my own note. Um, but yeah, no, <laughs> Naomi, uh, having gone missing, um, they're still like, well, shit, we don't know where she is. So, uh, but we don't want her to get killed by Kira if she's still alive. So, right. Just that they're mm-hmm. taking that level of precaution. Well, in the way that Light had written, she kills herself in a way that nobody will find her body is like, (laughs) that's so vague. Like, so as far as we know, though, it's working right now. (laughs) But again, you know, she was also dating Ray Pember. She was, you know, she was hooked up with an FBI guy. She was. Well, and he was a little panicky at that moment. Right. Which I think is part of the point is that he was like, yeah, Light had to get rid of her. Mm-hmm. Well, and I'm really glad that you bring it up because it does add, you know, because our, our focus is definitely on the tapes and the TV station and the new Kida and how light is going to react. And so much focus gets pulled to that, even for the for the task force members. It's like, oh, yeah, no, uh, who's missing again? No, we've got a second Kira. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it's the appearance of which is almost too perfect in its timing right so i yeah i i really am i'm glad that you picked these episodes to come to phil and i'm glad that we are finally hitting these episodes because i'm gonna steal ricky's metaphor it does feel like our map just got so much bigger for the rest of the series and that's good because we have 20 something episodes left like it's yeah it's gonna go ahead josh like we've said multiple times it feels like every episode it's you know the second to last episode of the series yeah and now bringing in not only a new Shinigami, but a new character and a new Death Note and a new kind of like just a new mission, basically a new, new quest information that they have to and go rules. on. Like there's just suddenly there's two more Death Notes in play, but inevitably, perhaps. Now, speaking of inevitable, God let's go ahead and move into our coverage of Episode Twelve, which, as we did mention, is called Love, and we do end up finding out why now we this episode starts with light thinking he caught a break here and he says it he says it out loud even he's like oh that's lucky it's great there's a new person here that can kill people and they're 
apparently sympathetic to what I'm doing. I mean, they should be, obviously. Right. But I'm I'm really glad that, you know, they are. Now, we do then immediately get a flashback, though, which means that this scene is taking place in between episodes, which is a little bit weird. Uh, That's where I got confused. Takes up <laughs> part of this episode. Yeah. Oh, 100%. And that's a big part of it. But I think that my favorite part is that Light is so upset about the quality of the video. Like, <laughs> uh, to me, that is the most relatable thing Light <laughs> does maybe in all of Death Note. Where he's like, gonna say that's a this is thing. not how I would have edited this. I would have put more polish on it. I would have added this layer of professionality to it. This um, king Yes, I hack. maybe, that's a bit of a peek behind the curtain. Um, I don't mean to incite a riot. It's just, it comes naturally to Jesse's me. Jesse's the perfectionist um, of the network, so. It's <laughs> I think everybody is fully aware of that, and I wear that badge proudly. Yeah. But yes, this is one of those moments where I was like, uh-oh, I'm identifying with a sociopath. <laughs> like, uh, that's not good. That's not good. But yeah, he, 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 I really love how upset he is by this. He's like, this is so sloppy. This is not how I would do this video. And to that point. And that part only gets so much better going forward. And then when they finally do cut a video, it's like they made a prettier font. <laughs> the background is higher definition. It's very shiny. The voice modulation is much more professional. Like, I love that it, the narcissism of this character bleeds through in every choice that he makes. And I really do, I really do love that about light. And I think it goes to kind of the thesis statement that we had given about him at the start of our series. Like this is all about one narcissist's journey. And I'm talking about light in case, again, you're unclear on that. So um, I do really like that we get kind of the first confirmation for every other character in the series that, Light and L are a very good match for each other because L sets up this test and Light passes it and everybody on the task force is like, oh, damn. <laughs> what did you think about this scene, Josh, where he shows him the video and goes, all right, what do you think? What's the deal with this video? Well, it was just, he obviously knew that there was another one, but he's, it's a very interesting dynamic because... Light knows, obviously, that, that there's not another, or that there's another Kira. And L is trying to actually figure that out. He just has his suspicions that there's another Kira. But Light coming in there and just confirming those suspicions. Well, it's just, again, that, that, that uh, Breaking Bad cat and mouse dynamic is so crazy in this. Because it's like, oh, well... Shit, of course he knows, but like L doesn't know that he knows. Oh my god, how's he gonna play this off now? Like, how's he gonna show them that he knows things without telling them what's really going on? But see, they don't know that we know that they know. This is another one of those situations where I feel like I don't think it's right that Light is telling L that he knows that there's two Kiras out there now. Like, I'm like, oh, I feel like you should be holding your tongue and guarding that information. But I'm pretty sure Light knows how to handle this better than I do. So maybe I should just <laughs> let him do his thing. But I think that that's, that's one of my favorite parts of watching Death Note, you guys, is going like, okay, 
who am I rooting for and why? What would I do if I had to do this? Or like, you know, what do I think about this decision? How would I act given this sort of a thing? And it's just, I mean, to that point, if I worked at that TV station, I would quit. I, I would just not. I'd be like, hey, uh, I'm wow. not coming in ever again for obvious reasons. Bye forever. Maybe that's why <laughs> nobody's answering the phones. Sorry, Mr. Demigawa, I'm done. <laughs> Seriously. You, like, run your own TV station, dude. Like, or up my pay significantly, because, wow. I Now I'm going to die. I, 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 or, like, every day I go to work, I assume I'm going to die, even if I'm not going to, which is just heck on my stress. Yeah, that's, not a, <laughs> that's not an ideal way for you to be going about your work life. Well, and it's... It, it, but to Ricky's point, it's it is a an interesting experience in a TV show to start to get invested in the theories and ideas and actions of animated characters, right? Like Ricky has always said that quality is what matters most to him. And I feel like this is not the first time, but this is a a great moment for anime resistant fans of television and great storytelling to go, okay, this really has some depth and some width to it. There's something for me to get my claws and my teeth into here if I haven't been super engaged up to this point, for example. And I, I'm i really excited that we are getting to go forward from here in the series. The series is so much fun. Um, so I we, we do get this. Let me do this earlier than I would normally do it. Josh, is there anything from episode 12 that you want to discuss right now i mean the new shinigami yeah and rem let's talk about rem rem i mean it's just it's i absolutely love rem i don't know how to like take rem yet i'm very very curious to see what kind of shinigami she, she is is it she that's a she, I mean, for all right, yeah, like it's a for, woman? for practical purposes, Shin- she's a, she's a lady Shinigami. Okay, I mean, I, if it's another layer of helping you keep them up separated, which is probably important, uh, then that's fine. I don't think it really matters because I don't think Shinigami are uh, hooking up, well, uh, no, so to speak. But, but that's that's <laughs> kind of one thing that I wanted to get into is oh. is Ryuk and is hooking up with Shinigami and oh, Rem oh, gonna like ah. you know have some. Oh. Shinigami, you know, dates oh. or something. Gonna get some, I see. some apple cider beer and, and watch some, some candy on Hulu, or is that what the Shinigamis are gonna do? <laughs> you brought it maybe, back, I was like, what maybe. the hell is he talking about? And then I realized, <laughs> oh wow, that was really well really well played. Good job, I like that. Um, um, really though, I'm just curious to see like where we go with her. I, I really want to so see the story. Let's toss this to Ricky because Ricky, I know that the Shinigami realm and the lore and the depth of the Shinigami is a huge thing for you. So you know, let's not really worry about the structure or the the order of the episode. Where are you at the end of this with like, okay, now we're getting some serious lore about Shinigami. Uh, just, I, I'm not going to lead you too many questions there, but what did you think about this this exposition dump that we got from Rem? Oh, uh, are you talking about especially at the end when they were talking about Jealous? I yeah. loved it. Yeah, I loved the whole story of Jealous. He fell in love with the human. He was sitting there watching. He knew it was the day that she was going to die. He was preparing to let her leave, and then he just he had to interfere. He had to stop it. And apparently, one of the only ways to kill Shinigami is to have them interfere, not interfere, but alter 
the fate of somebody's life. And he altered that fate and he just what he he was no longer bones or rust, but something else, I think is what they said. That and, was poetic. And you you caught who it was he saved. Yes, it was the it, new girl. It was yeah. Yeah, that it was Misa. And he and and she recognized it immediately, uh, just the way that you did. Something that was neither sand nor rust and disappeared. And it, it I, I did write down like, okay, the name Jealous is like on the nose, but like whatever, <laughs> he's a demon, it's fine. I like the way they spell it. I think the it. story well, and I think the story stands on its own. For for those of you who aren't, you know, catching that, it's G E L U S Jealous. Yeah. It's it's a a phonetic spelling that is almost entirely certainly based on a localization error. <laughs> I would I <laughs> probably, would guess. but you know what? It's uh I'm okay with it. Aesthetically it it it's it's just fun. Well and so we get we get this fun, heartfelt story to Ricky's point about the voyeuristic Shinigami saving Misa and accidentally basically making her essentially immortal by like granting her an unknown number of Shinigami years off of his own lifespan, right? And then this, so this also means that having that giant ridiculous lifespan halved by taking the Shinigami ideal is kind of not a big deal for her, right? Like, exactly. We have no idea how long she would have lived. And if she's giving up half of 500 years, then like, Oh no. Whatever. <laughs> exactly. That was, that was something that came back to me on, uh, this is, third or fourth rewatch of the entire anime and you know having read the whole manga a couple of times it makes me wonder will she like get all decrepit like a shinigami after 200 years that's interesting like is she gonna actually age the same way as a human would and then by the end look like rem and be all bony and like weird looking or will she maintain her you know japanese pop idol youthfulness (laughs) is it vampire rules is the question is it vampire rules (laughs) or has she become a shinigami that's what we need to know now even though rem left the details out of the story misa's not stupid she's like oh okay so he was watching me and then when i was saved you know this is you know the result of that now i'm here I do really like that when Rem starts the story, she goes, don't say this to anyone. Here's how you do it. And then as soon as she finishes the story, Misa goes, I can't wait to tell Kira how to oh, do yeah, that. Well, as soon as I meet Kira, I'm going to find out if he knows how to do this thing. I I really was interested in the Rem kind of like got a weird look on her face when they started talking about uh, them falling in love. And like, does that, is Rem going to fall in love with light and then end up? dying for it for him like that's my question right now at the end of this episode i'm like oh my god there's a possibility that the female shinigami could fall in love with the human male so speaking of the shinigami we have this this tape that gets intercepted right by the chief says hey let's show our shinigami to each other and l has just a straight freak out because he has already been hinted that this could be a thing, right? Like somebody said Shinigami and he was like, okay, Japanese gods of death, like he sees himself as a god of death. Okay, I get it, whatever. But then to hear somebody else say Shinigami that's supposedly completely unconnected with the first Kira, he's like, oh, this is bad. This is really bad because once you eliminate 
whatever is impossible, then whatever remains, no matter how unlikely, must be the answer, right? And if these people are seemingly supernaturally able to just kill on a whim with a name and a face, then I have to accept the possibility that Shinigami actually exists. And he states it out loud. He, I mean, he literally falls out of his chair, but he is intelligent enough to go, okay, I still have to like make a plan here and I have to figure out what to do next. And he can't let that thing go, but he immediately remembers, I do have a job to do and I think I can use this information to do that job. So we get this setup where he goes, all right, I need, hey, light, do you think you could pretend to be Kira for me? Could you, do you think you could possibly yeah, just funny. like invent a note that would sound like it was from him? Do you think you could do that? That's probably within my could abilities. You do this thing and pretend to be this sociopath. So I have to ask, this is one of the first few moments of palpable comedy that we have in the series <laughs> where he goes, all right, L, what do you think of my note? And he's like, could you maybe take out the part where it says definitely kill L? And Light's like, ah, come on, man. Like, that's totally what he would say, right? No, just Jay, put, put whatever you want in there. It's fine. Like, it's kind of like the first inclination that these two dudes might actually be friends if they weren't, uh, like, preordained, fateful, supernatural killer enemies. Go ahead, Josh. Is it going to get to the point now where they do become friends and Light does admit that he's Kira because this girl, like, becomes a real psychopath with the Death Note? And so he has to, like... Maybe he gives him, he's like, here, hold this piece of paper real quick. Meet Ryuk. Like, <laughs> I'm sorry. I have to just point out that I think it is wonderful that your first assumption is that this girl will somehow screw everything up and that Light and Elle will have to like band together to defeat her. Well, she just seems a little more unhinged than, than Light. 100%. <laughs> but the girl is so super, like, she seems like she could lose it at any time she just wants to she's like a fangirl that wants to talk to kira and will do whatever it takes so what happens when they meet and he's like yeah i, I think you're kind of dumb and you shouldn't be doing this is she gonna just lose her shit couple things first of all light and l have both stated no part of my plan is to get to know him maybe become his friend see if i can get him to admit that he's l or get him to show me how he kills people now because l had no leverage in that situation he just went up and was like yo i'm l now what right deal with it right. i mean i know he didn't say that but so there that has been established that both of them have a plan to become the other's confidant and then go from there now to your second point though they both do also see this second kira misa as like a total loose cannon right because it l is like okay, I don't know how this one thinks. I don't know how to, like, deduce what's going on with this person. And Light is going, okay, she's not polished enough. It's sloppy. She's going to get me caught. She's here talking about Shinigami. Like, it's not a big thing. Mm. Like, come on, what are you doing? And it's, it isn't, it, to Josh's point, I think it is a perfect wrench, right? Like, right when we're all like, oh, okay, we know what it's like to watch L versus Light. We know what it's like to watch the back and forth, the cat and mouse, you know, this sort, this, that, and the other thing, the manipulation. Then we get a character who's like, I'm just doing it because I kind of want to, right? And, but we do get a hint that she's sort of in love with the idea of Kira, 
right? She's like, oh, I can't wait to meet him. I can't, I want to know what he's like. They end up in the same coffee shop across booths from each other without yeah. knowing it. It's such a classic sitcom setup, isn't it? It's so cute. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I I really like that we get to, we get a glimpse into, okay, here's why Misa is drawn so, the way that she is drawn, she's a model. Her job is to be a model, right? And that's just tough work being a model, you guys, you know? I do like that at least, you know, you guys have been through Cowboy Bebop with me. And Faye Valentine is drawn in a very particular fashion. Now, at least this show tries to give us some sort of justification in very heavy air quotes for why this character is drawn the way she is, right? She's a a model. model. She's supposed to be cute. She's supposed to be... Uh, you look like a little angel, Misa. I think is what the How photographer old is tells she her. Supposed to be. She is a uh, teen pop idol, so okay. yes, yeah, so eighteen. We, and I'm sure we could look like it up that. in in the in the wiki or something. But yes, she's old enough. Uh, we'll say she's lights age. And so right? then that brings the next question of when the Shinigami was watching her, um, like get attacked. She looks a lot older there. Do you know what I mean? So I think what you're noticing, yeah. So I think what you're noticing is the difference in her hair. So she has like a she has her hair, hair down. Going on. She has it. So a different she must. Color. It's, it's darker color. Yep. And she's got a hat on. She's dressed much more demurely. And she would have been attacked in her past. Well, but right? it must so have been very. She would have been younger. It must have been very like recent, right? She must have been attacked recently in her past. Relatively, recent yes. Enough, yeah. Because we don't, uh, at, to this point, we don't know how long she's had the death note. Right, right? and that's kind of what I'm so thinking. So if we assume that she got it, yeah, if we assume that she got it basically right after Jealous got crazy, mm-hmm. then it, it should still have been fairly recent, right? Because otherwise, maybe she would have been immediately trying to seek out Kira or help Kira or, you know, this, that, or the other thing. Right. So we, I think we're sort of assuming right now that it is a fairly recent acquisition for her, okay. especially considering that she's like, Hey Rem, how does this work? Hey Rem, what can I do this? You know, like that sort of. She's still kind of asking questions in the in the way that Light used to. Yeah, yeah no, definitely. Uh, now we're back on the jealous thing. I I had a question. I I'm trying to sort out my metaphors and everything. Jealous died for her. I don't know if he died for mm-hmm. her sins, but he gave his life so she could live. Do we think that's some kind of religious Christian analogy? Or am I just kind of reaching for anything I can find? It, it's it's not a misplaced uh, reach, if it is a reach. Yep. It is not misplaced. Uh, there is a lot of Christian imagery heavily used throughout the anime and manga of Death Note. Um, okay. There are frequent depictions of crosses in, in the background in a lot of Misa's shots in this episode, in a lot of the episodes where you see Misa talking with Rem, there is a picture in the background that is, I believe, a depiction of the Virgin Mary uh, with her hands holding the heart. Um, Interesting. Yeah, no, they, um, very... Well, and so you also have the imagery of the apple throughout the series, yep, right? As true. you know, forbidden fruit of knowledge, that mm-hmm. sort of a thing. And she's asking for forbidden knowledge, literally from this entity here that nobody has. And then she basically just gets it handed to her. And I would say there are also definite parallels to be drawn between you know sacrificing for uh, 
the reasons of love and you know loving someone from a distance and and benefiting them without them even knowing that you yeah. did it i think is definitely it's definitely a common theme for for yeah. religion so i think it's definitely as as phil said probably not a, a reach in an incorrect direction at least yeah, no, you you get a lot of of pictures in the background, especially in this episode of uh, like the I want to say it's the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Well, there's also every end bumper has that cross shape sort of overlaid over that textured background and says, you know, end. And, and it's not uncommon imagery. Uh, it's not uncommon to see Christian imagery used in anime. Um, Death Note. Uh, Evangelion is, is probably the biggest uh, biggest uh, example, but uh, <laughs> yeah. Do you guys want to go watch that right now? If I mean, we can I, do. Okay. I don't know that I so, need to rewatch it less than a year after the last time I went through Evangelion. Oh yeah, it, if it hasn't if it hasn't been a year, man, don't do it. I don't want to mess with your psyche. So, and I went through the old dub, the old uh, like I dug out the DVDs. Uh, and the oh, old nice. dub, not the Netflix dub. So, I've never seen the original dub. I did oh, really, man, I it's... really liked the Netflix dub, but I have been told that it is the inferior of the two dubs. It's different enough that it that it is worth watching separately. I'm not. I think I'm on record as not being a person that prefers to use a better than or worse than terminology yeah. with that. Sort yeah, of no, thing. just so I'm definitely just I'm different. definitely not opposed to checking it out. Yeah. And and we love adaptations here at Sudden But Inevitable, as the folks Indeed. well know. So uh and, all right, and gentlemen. Lisa is nineteen uh at oh, the start you. of the show. Okay, cool. Per, now we can all feel a, a little bit better. Per various Wikipedia entries. What would we feel better uh, about? <laughs> she she I is just 19. you know, sometimes Sometimes when you watch shows that are that are drawn how certain animes are drawn, mm-hmm. you gotta justify what you're looking right. at in in many ways. Okay. So, nice. especially if, <laughs> especially if like for example, a loved one walks past and goes, "Oh, what are you watching?" It's fine. Like, it's fine. She's nineteen. She's, she's of age. Look on Wikipedia. Yeah, she's nineteen. She's here to kill people. She's a serial killer. It's don't worry. Everything's fine. Just get out. I'm not into out. her. She's a cartoon sweetheart, so it's okay. So, so we're we're not not doing Madoka for the next season of SBI. Uh, okay, so I'm interested. Moving on <laughs> very quickly before Josh becomes addicted. Josh, is there anything from episode twelve that you feel we must discuss before we move into our weekly segments for this pair of episodes, my friend? No, I think what I have left is from the segments. I, th- I think we're good. All right. Ricky D from Best Flicks with Ricky D. Is there anything from episode 12 or, you know what, even episode 11 that you feel we simply have to talk about before we get to our segments? Absolutely. I'm very interested in this new character. I'm sorry, could you say your name again? Misa. Misa. Thank you. Uh, So there's a lot of this that revolves around Light and his narcissistic personality disorder. Uh, We're pretty much all in. Light does have a narcissistic personality. You can look up all the nine... Uh, all nine symptoms and apply them to him. Uh, I am going to say that Misa also has a personality disorder. Uh, We haven't seen much of her. However, uh, and if anybody knows anything about this, either anybody uh, here on camera or any of our fans listening want to get to me on Twitter at BestFlixRickyD or at SuddenButt at SuddenButt. So I am going to say I think that uh, Misa has borderline personality disorder. 
She's seeming a little bit kooky. She's a little off her hinges. Uh, and also, if you ever examine like a, a psychiatric ward, borderline personality disorder and narcissist personality disorders, they always lock themselves together. They get in intense relationships. So uh, I'm very interested to see where this goes. And I'm going to be pushing my own theory that uh, Misa is borderline. And I'm going to be kind of watching for those tendencies. And I'm very excited to see some more about this. You do know every time you say Misa, I just think of Misa Jaja Binks, <laughs> right? Please get, please get this off my screen. Misa called Jaja Binks. If it makes you feel Why better, Josh, yes, at some point we get her nickname is Misa Misa. <clears throat> so that might that might just further contribute to that. So just uh, just a cultural note there that the doubling of uh, of nicknames and things like that is frequently done as a diminutive uh kind of a, a cute thing yeah uh calling her misa misa is like uh, oh you're so young you're so pretty you're so cute uh, ultra cute, ultra cute. like a, a level of cute that we don't have in america yeah kawaii <laughs> yeah cute, no like, like beyond beyond the moe you know into the kawaii super yeah cute. just just send Josh a list of the grossest anime you can at the end of this, because I think his interest is peaked AF. If if I know Josh, that's where he's sitting yeah, right I'm now. Bored. You sent him that I'm bored and Wikipedia I'm link. Me... He's not even listening to us now. He's on that Wikipedia page. Yeah, no, page, he's, he's so. just digging through the Wikipedia page for Madoka. Uh, yeah, no, have fun after the third episode. I don't know. But thank you, Ricky, for bringing that up. That's an, that's a, an angle that I totally missed on my first couple watches. I was just like, oh, she's just devoted to the idea. Like, she must really be into justice, you know. But I think you've totally nailed that. Uh -huh. I think that's a really good point. Uh, did you have any other points, or shall I toss the conversational ball to our friend Phil? Uh, there was one other thing. When, uh, they were when all the police officers and Light and L were all together, uh, and when they were talking about the Shinigamis and light kind of explained away. He's like, well, they're just using Shinigami as a reference to, they're going to show each other their killing powers. And I thought that was a really good deflection. And it was yeah. so much so that L even seemed to be like, damn, he's right. They're just, that's a Shinigami is a metaphor. So I'm sure L is going to still be looking in that direction and be looking for Shinigami references. But I think light did a great job of just, throwing a wall up and blocking off this extremely important piece of information. No, I absolutely agreed, Ricky. It, it, it's some phenomenal deflection from light there. I just did one of the other detectives suggest it and then light backed up the suggestion first, or was it, was it light suggestion the first time? I think light fabricated it. I think he did. And then one of the other detectives was like, come on, that makes good sense that they would, they would use a code word for that. And he was like, yeah, yeah. like, no. And, yeah. and light is, it, this is something he excels at throughout this entire series is just utilizing the people around him and their own kind of suspicions. Their, their various thoughts as they go through this process of trying to find these killers. All right, Ricky, I am really glad that we jumped into that because I would have blown right past it as I am wont to do. Let's at with that. Let's go ahead and toss it to Phil. Phil, is there anything from these two episodes that you feel we must discuss before we get into our weekly segments for this pair of episodes? No, I I don't think so. I actually think my bits on the uh, segments are actually going to catch everything else that I had. Perfect. 
Well then, with that, Josh, if you want to go ahead and play that bumper just so that we know what to feel, go ahead and give me Shot of the Show. Shot of the Show, as you know, is where we share our favorite visual moments from this week's pair of episodes, those moments that now live rent-free in our heads. Let's go ahead and have our friend and wonderful guest, Phil, go first. Phil, walk us through your first pick this week for Shot of the Show. All right, so this first shot comes from episode 11, Assault. This is in the aftermath of the uh, bus being charged through the front door of the TV station. And this is our first real hint as to uh, what this second Kira's powers actually might entail. Because we get just a shot of a pair of binoculars sitting on a table, single chair sitting there at that table in a very well-decorated, very high-end, upper-class-looking room. Just little table next to the window with a pair of binoculars sitting on it. It's like, okay, so somebody has been watching this entire time. Somebody has needed a closer look at whatever the action going on at the front of the TV station has been. And somebody needed to see what exactly was going on and who specifically, who was involved. And it has this, like, the shadow grid of the the window panes. Yeah, it's just another chessboard for us. Yeah, there are so many chessboards. Yeah, another piece in the game, in the long game, as it were, of course. Now... I, I, I do love this pick, and it's crazy. I don't know that we've had a pick for Shot of the Show up to this point that didn't even have a character in it. And, and that was part of what drew me to this scene, because it's the yeah. absence of any other character. Because at this point, we are you know led to believe that this is you know where Misa had been sitting. And we're in the same spot currently as Ellen Light, mm-hmm. where it's like, we see there's a piece here they don't know about. We see that there was another player involved. We don't see who that player is. I like that they give the mystery away really quickly in these episodes. So oh, yeah. No, it's, 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 not a, so it's not a lingering thing by any yeah. means, but it's, it's such a fantastic shot. Just... Well, it's an interesting combination of episodic and serialized, right? Because we are getting one story here, but like every episode has its own amount of mm-hmm. closure in it. It's actually yes. really impressive. Yes, now that I very think well it, self-contained so. segments along the way. But I think this this particular shot is such a, a fantastic use of negative space, just by virtue of not having a character present, by virtue of just centering the binoculars. It's like, okay, we might as well have just had a shot of their notebook or a pen. You know, that I, I think that actually might be the only thing that could have potentially improved the shot is if there had been a mm, pen, pen that had been left behind there as well. But that would be a little that too would be far too sloppy. Well, it'd be too sloppy yeah, no, because the pen could be recovered and fingerprinted mm-hmm. yeah not and that the it would be not that the um binoculars couldn't be but as far as we know but we also know that she's big into fashion so she might have gloves speaking of things that i am big into josh please give me ricky d's first pick for shot of the show and ricky d walk us through that yes this is when they cut to the news anchor <laughs> early on in the episode 11 uh it's because 
the new Kira is like, you have to change the channel. I'm going to kill this news anchor. So it's just this very, uh, the picture really clashes. Cause on the one hand, you've got this dead body right in the middle of everything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there's also like pictures of puppies and there's this <laughs> weird, like sunburst sunflower in the background. And it's, it's all this like bright, happy <laughs> colors, but there's also a dead guy. Oh, you and like the, the news to it? Yeah, the way they cut to it this so guy, suddenly was just great. He was doing he was in the middle of explaining like the the annual coverage of the puppy bowl <laughs> yeah. and yeah. he was killed for purposes of illustration. Oh, and and fun thing just from a definition perspective. Tayo means sun. Mm. Okay, so you've got sunflowers and sun imagery and bright coloring they are the bright, happy channel. They are the, the sunny channel. The sun, at, like sun and ocean, bright, happy things. Um, it's a kind of sunflower. It's it's all. They're clashing the imagery beautifully for us, of course, which is something that happens throughout the series. All right, Josh, go ahead and bring up your pick, your first pick for Shot of the Show this week. So mine was the introduction of the next Shinigami, like where you see the full body of the Shinigami, and it's so creepy. She is so creepy. All bones, nothing else. And it kind of makes creepy me... Creepy bat wings. Yeah, Such yeah. Such a stark contrast to Ryuk, too. Exactly. All white. And it's kind of like giving me the, the suspicion that these Shinigami might be like i was saying earlier maybe it's a human that got the shinigami power that now lives for however long and has just decayed and become this if that makes sense it does make sense and i really love that theory and and it's an excellent shot to your point it is like her her wings are spanning the entirety of this street here, and she's yeah. just it's like, it looming over a, everything. I, I really like it's that. It's like a gargoyle. Oh, yeah. Takes me back to gargoyles, and I, I love that. All right, Josh, go ahead and bring up my first pick for Shot of the Show, if you don't mind. So this is the, uh, the video that Misa sent as... Uh, Kira, right? And and the, the font that Misa has chosen as a editing nerd i can say is real sloppy it's like a it's like a mockery of the font that l uses which it's might like be partially on purpose kanji kill or kanji chiller <laughs> yeah it's it's like uh it's definitely a like a sloppy version of the gothic print that, yeah. that l would yeah. use right so this is part of the thing that really annoys light he's like ugh I wouldn't be so sloppy. I wouldn't. It wouldn't look like this. I'd do much better production. This wouldn't be so amateurish, and I can't stand it. And again, this is the moment where I was like, uh-oh, identifying with serial killer. Josh, if you don't mind, please bring up Phil's second selection for a shot of the show this week. And Phil, walk us right on through it, my friend. By the way, you stole mine. This is going to be mine. <laughs> uh, if it makes you feel any better, I had like three picked out for this episode. No, so I wait. I wait till everyone puts their shots in for the most part because I really hate like getting my shot ready and then everyone else coming in and going, "Oh, you know what? I actually." So I, it's fine. It's fine. I, I like. I like uh-huh. to uh-huh. to let other people pick the uh-huh. best shots. <laughs> uh, no, but this this particular shot was just. Such a phenomenal bit of the characterization of Misa. It's like, okay, we've not 
we've we've barely met her at this point. We know she has a death note. We know she has some power beyond the power that light has right now. So she's probably made the deal. Uh, entertainingly enough, with these little stuffies that we see here, we only see the eyes, the both actual eyes of three of them, or of, of one of them, sorry. Uh, everyone else has at least one eye covered or out of frame in the mm. shot. Uh, so there's, there's a whole lot of things going on with, with eyes. There's a lot going on with just kind of the the cute again the kind of kawaii uh death imagery with misa and it's such a phenomenal bit of characterization for her like no no here's the things that i prioritize here's the things that i like that i like to surround myself with yeah so a couple of things in this shot okay so we have the kind of gothic looking maybe corpsified uh, schoolgirl doll, and then we have the pink bunny doll with the Borg eye with a heart patch over it. And uh, okay, so Misa is the girl that we all went to high school with, who made um, the Nightmare Before Christmas into her whole personality, right? I remember that. Girl. And yeah, I, everybody went to high school with that girl, not just those of us here on the. They're screen. in every high school. I went um, to two different high schools, and that girl was in both high schools. So, and I don't mean to single out anybody that could have very easily been a guy that you went to high school with like for something about that movie phil is raising his hand something about that movie compelled people to go this is my thing this is part of who i am now and i'm gonna use it to build an identity right so we get the feeling that misa is one of those like soft goths right she's a cute goth she's got all of the goth imagery sparkle going on. Goth. She's black lace yeah she's got the the cross jewelry, but she's also got like cute animals, but with like scary accessories. So she's a very specific kind of person. And you get that from this one shot of her stuffed animals. I love it, Phil. Wonderful, wonderful choice. Thank you. Josh, if you don't mind, please bring up Ricky D's next wonderful choice. <laughs> yeah, this is a close up of L. This is when he's learning. Uh, he's discussing the two Kira theory, the Shinigami come up. And I really like this because his pupils always take up i'd say three quarters of his entire eye this time they're narrowed his pupils are still big within the iris but the entire pupil or the entire iris of people have kind of shrunk down and it just uh it shows that he's focused he's concentrating uh this is him just trying as hard as he can or he's processing at the top of his abilities yeah, he's no longer necessarily planning ahead. He's reacting in this moment. He's like, whoa, wait, what? Uh, gods of death? Wait. Shit, what? this whole thing, this whole concept is coming up again. This isn't just a one-time joke kind of thing. Um, yeah, much easier to write this off as a crazy theory when I've only seen the word associated with the case one time, but now that there's a second time, that is not good. I really like that pick. And for a moment, it threw me way off because he is kind of goofy looking in that picture. So, Josh, if you don't mind, go ahead and bring up your next pick for Shadow of the Shell, my friend. Mine was oh. kind of the saddest part of this show, yeah. seeing the the Shinigami actually like fade off into whatever it is he fades off into in that like stardust kind of way. Um, I, this I one kinda... like that Rem didn't even know how to what describe was, right, what, what was going on became. 
Yeah, and it's it was just a really it was kind of one of the more heartfelt scenes of this entire series so far, showing that gods can actually fall in love and like have and they can die somehow. Um, I did find it very interesting that the way that they die is through love, since you know, since they're gods of death, their their way of dying is basically the human version of life. Um, cause you know, a lot of people, when they fall in love, they're like, Oh, the, you know, I feel so alive now. I'm, I'm in love with this person. And like, because of that, the God of death now is like the opposite of what they should be. So it's, it was a very interesting scene, um, and explanation of, of how that all goes down. And so it, it was, to me, it was like, Oh, Oh, oh man, that, that hurts. Oh, notice, notice how many eyes jealous has. Yeah. Who won? Much like the stuffed animals in Mises' yep. room, and the and the stitched the stitched mouth imagery and mm-hmm. yep yeah put together of other pieces yeah. yeah now we get a lot of that that whole patchwork kind of effect with him too right they really make us sit with jealous I mean jealous is like it, he makes a lot of struggle sounds before he goes out and it hurts to watch yeah. but. It does really illustrate, to your point, the contrast between him and, say, Eryuk, who's like, no, dude, we just do this, and it's fun, and I'm bored, and, like, right. it shows that personality actually still counts in the Shinigami mm-hmm. world, so I think, and, you know, that's probably a big part of what you and Ricky both love so much about this pair of episodes. Excellent, excellent pick, Josh. Speaking of things that are excellent, please bring up my <laughs> next selection. Excellent, but the same. Which... <laughs> Follows along on a theme. <laughs> this is Light's version of the Kira video that he sends. This is like when Jesse sends me an edit. He's like, actually, it should look like this. <laughs> so here's how this goes with After Effects on. and <laughs> So it's a prettier font. It looks like it was written by hand. There's no like carving on the paper with a crayon going on. There's literal sparkles on the screen that were added in like for shine and prestige like this is kita with better marketing and i i just wanted to stick with that theme because i figured you know what if i'm gonna make the point i may as well drive it home so that's why i picked that selection now of course that leads us into our second weekly segment which is called death quote Death Quote, of course, is the audio counterpart to Shot of the Show, where we share our favorite moments of dialogue or music or just audio goodness from this week's pair of episodes. We're going to maintain the pattern that we have up to this point. Josh, go ahead and play Phil's first selection, and then Phil, walk us through why you made that selection. It's all right. I'm sure that Kira is kind to those with pure hearts. And if it came down to that, I'm still stronger than he is, because I have the eyes. I just love... Mises' sheer fucking optimism is <laughs> just, I'll be fine. You know, if I if it comes down to it, I have a power that he doesn't have. I can kill him if he tries to kill me. And then she does a Sailor Moon pose. <laughs> yeah, no, she's yeah. <laughs> she's she is the you know preeminent teen idol character throughout this series, and I love her for it. Um, but just her belief that nothing can go wrong for her Mm. and it's it's such a fantastic idealistic image just the idea that like no no 
I am a god unto myself. I have this power that not even this other guy has. And so clearly, you know, if I have this power and I'm a good person, he must be a good person too. Let's go meet him. She is the brightest spot in this series, just throughout the entire entire run of Death Note. Misa Avane is the kind of bright emotional center of everything. And I love seeing her at the outset of all of this and just seeing how excited she is for this whole thing to start. And I love the juxtaposition of her confidence with Light NL's confidence, where she's like, I'm just going to do this. Uh, I have an entirely different kind of confidence, but it's just as valid. And she, to your point, yeah, she swings away. I really, really like that pick. Josh, if you don't mind, give me Ricky D's first pick for Death Quote this week. It would appear that another Shinigami has come to the human world, and somehow that Shinigami's death note has fallen into the hands of someone who agrees with Kira, and this person most likely has the Shinigami eyes. This, I did not catch that there was a second Kira through the entire episode. We had some little hints, but I wasn't quite picking up on those, so this is where it all gets really laid out. There's another death note. There's another Shinigami. There's somebody else that's out there killing kind of at random, kind of following the rules. And it's just, this is where everything just really explodes. It's like, you know, we were getting a steady climb, steady climb, and then boom, everything goes through the roof right here. And in so many directions at once. Yeah. There, it's, no, it's no longer just a back and forth between two characters with some ancillary damage. It's like, I have no idea what's going on. The board is wide open now to, you know, continue the chess metaphor from before. I really like that pick. Josh, why don't you go ahead and bring up your first choice, my friend. Akira Video. Show me which studio they're broadcasting it from. A vehicle has just driven through the front doors of the station. Well, that's one way to get into the building without being seen by Akira. So my big thing was just L going, well, that's one way to do it. But also because, you know, he looks like Jedi Master Sheriff right now. Yeah. And and, yeah. and running it. And that's not even as crazy as the guitar gets I know. <laughs> in this episode, right? Like the guitar gets even more Carl from Aqua yeah, Boo dang, boo dang, boo dang, boo. And it's just. You want to do Fry Man? I'm really glad that you had that in your, in your quote, though, because, yeah, I mean, to Ricky's point from earlier, it was like this episode is like just nonstop the Ba-bam. quickest 22 minutes so far that we've had up yep. to this point. All right, Josh, go ahead and give me my first pick. Say goodbye to the world as you know it. Soon, we'll have a new world ruled by benevolence, inhabited with kind-hearted, honest people. At the beginning of season four, we actually thought, (laughs) what if we just did the whole season with audio modulation on everyone's voices? Don't you guys think that that would be a better way to listen to Sudden But Inevitable? Say goodbye to the sudden but inevitable that you know, and say hello to the sudden but inevitable of the future. This is how it will be from here on out. So, see, this this just gets into the whole, would you like to record a podcast? <laughs> right, so this is, but this is the the first real indicator that this isn't light. Listen to how bright it is. Listen to how much like Misa it actually does sound. Like, I think they had the Misa voice actor do these lines and then they put actual modulation on it that's how it sounds to me which would be the logical way to do it right Right. so 
I just I love that there is such a subtle difference in that that even through the modulation you can kind of tell that it is not light. And specifically, the next time you watch this series, you'll be going, oh, yep, I remember this, and I remember how it all goes down. All right, Josh, please bring up our friend Phil's second selection for Death Quote this week. Gami is to make them fall in love with a human. What a beautiful way to kill. Everything, again, about Misa's personality the what a beautiful way to kill line there just she glosses completely over the entire message of everything (laughs) that rem is trying to tell her and she's just oh death by love well it also shows that she's not without nuance of her own right like she's she's viewing this through a romantic lens as she might be I mean, maybe expected to do, but it is a good point. You know, she's she's like, I'm going to view this one way, which fits really well with the L, uh, sorry, the light character going, everything bad that happens is actually just another bonus for me because I'm a narcissist and I have these mental gymnastics. So it's like a good counterpoint to that. And I, I, I still am crazy impressed that Ricky picked up early on that like her personality is going to meld very well with light's personality. Because she has her own whole set of gymnastics that she's going through. Yep. You know, and and maybe some of that stems from her near-death experience. Right. Or her sudden feeling of invincibility that she's been given. (laughs) I mean, but just her status eventually coming into play. um, I could see that. But just, it's also her relative innocence. I mean, how many people has she killed at this point? How many people has she killed with the notebook versus how many people Light has killed? Well, two that we know of, or three or four that we know of, right? Mm-hmm. Like, And per L, they were people who had a um, kind of track record of um, being kind of more abusive or hurting uh innocent people not necessarily just people who were you know bad people per se but people who were specifically going at more vulnerable targets you know people who were seeking out the weak to to injure and hurt them well that'll illustrate why she probably is so infatuated with the idea of kira right yes oh justice is great justice 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 and power and Yep. Everything. Quite poetic. Josh, if you don't mind, please bring up Ricky D's second selection for Death Quote this week. So I got carried away playing the part. I figured if I was him, I'd probably demand that you be killed. Okay, so I chose this one because this is when Light is writing the note as Kira, the way L asked him to. And uh, they're just kind of, they've kind of got this friendly back and forth. Like, on the one hand, he's kind of revealing information. On the other hand, he's compensating and blocking off some information and it is getting a little friendly as friendly as threatening to have the next guy next to you killed is but i could see that being done friendly lee friendly 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 yeah yeah in a friendly manner yeah yeah i locally <laughs> i re there you go neighborino i really like that and i think that it's that's part of what i like so much about watching shows with you guys who who've never seen it before right like 
you guys are pulling stuff from this that I didn't pull any of the times that I have watched it, including this time. Like your note on Misa where you're like, this is going to match perfectly. I was just like, I, I didn't even think about that this time going in knowing that it was true. So excellent, excellent pick. <laughs> excellent, excellent call. Josh, if you don't mind, bring up your selection for Death Quote. See, for Shinigami to die, they have to love a human enough that they'd prevent their death from happening. So what about you, Rem? You're not in love with me, are you? Be honest. Just forget it. You really think you can kill me that easily? Oops, you saw through that? Ugh. Just manipulative girl. Sounds about right. (laughs) (laughs) Oops! Oversaccharine. Oops. (laughs) Just like, I'm so sweet. How could you suspect me? That's exactly what it is. Like, this girl's going to be a problem. (laughs) <laughs> she's gonna be a problem for more than one entity i think and if she's 19 say. then she's right around light's age which could make it even worse there's gonna be like a a big double date going on here with ryuk and <laughs> and rem and and misa jar jar Bing. misa and... is a human monkey wrench yeah like she, she's <laughs> a monkey wrench incarnate <laughs> like yeah. i think is is her role <laughs> Yeah, this is this is that scene yeah. in Dodgeball when they say if you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball, and there is no <laughs> dodging wrench. this wrench. <laughs> I like it. We're we're going strong with our metaphors tonight. <laughs> Let's keep that going and play my second selection for death quote, please. Am I supposed to believe that that Shinigami actually exist? That's impossible. Obviously, they don't exist. Yes, that's right, Ryuzaki. Listen to yourself. Of course Shinigami don't exist. (sighs) You're probably right. So somebody else had first been like, dude, no. And then that's when Light comes in. He's like, come on, no. Agree with the the no answer. And then right after this, he floats the, it's probably just a code word, right? But the, the, the gist of this is that L is going, wait, should I consider that Shinigami might be the tool that they're using to kill people? Like... And if so, uh, what do I do now? Because <laughs> I am basically a cop, right? Like, I don't know what I would do in that situation. And that's why his eyes are so big and his pupils are so small in the shot that Ricky picked. He's, like, having an actual moment of, like, if I need to reevaluate the nature of reality to solve this case, then damn. <laughs> but it indicates that he is perfectly willing to do that if that's what it takes to solve this case. And I think that's one of the most impressive things about him is that he's willing to go, hey, if I just have to reevaluate reality as a whole to make this work, I'll do it. It's going to be weird, but I'll do it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, my friends. With that, I believe we are ready for our final segment of the week, which is called The Ratings. Ratings is not really the name of a segment. It's just what we do here when we get to the end of an episode. Now, we have been doing something new here at Sudden But Inevitable. Instead of giving individual ratings for each episode and then making me do the math, you guys have been giving me one number so that I can do slightly less math to get our final rating for the pair of episodes. So let's continue this pattern one last time. Phil, if there is a rating for these two episodes, what would you say that it is out of 10, my friend? Uh, Across the two episodes, I'd call this an eight and a half. We get some phenomenal characterization out of both our old and new characters. We get a fairly major character death, uh, losing Yukita. Uh, we get 
some big reveals like okay here's a new character who has already made the deal for the eyes and it it absolutely completely upsets the status quo uh thus far for the series uh it completely changes how the task force is going to have to respond to the threats of kira uh it completely shifts how light is going to interact with the task force especially with becoming kind of a member of the team uh i mean we're we're roughly a third of the way through the series at this point Mm -hmm. but it is a it is a fairly major swing in uh things for a lot of the characters so it, it really this is a major change a major uh transition point for for the series, just with the introduction of Misa and Rem. I love it. And I agree with your reasoning totally. I think it is, as we've said, there have been multiple board clears and board sets. And I think it's, I think it's a great way to move forward for the next two thirds of the show. That is death note. Ricky D my friend, how about you go next? Give me your rating for this week's two pair, two episodes. I'm going to echo Phil 8.5. My ratings have been a little lower than usual lately. And part of me feels like, I feel guilty, like I've not been giving the show enough of a shot, but I've been, I've always been looking to the future going, I think this is going to blow up at some point. And I feel like this week is where everything really, like the fuse was, it lit, got to the point where right? I was looking for it. Yeah. So uh, 8.5, I'm very excited for next week, uh, two weeks from now. Awesome. <laughs> I like it. We are doing well so far. Josh, what are you I'm on the same friend? page, 8.5. Um, I again like to echo both statements. It was a great introduction for a lot of different characters, and it's like we're lighting the fuse of the bomb right now. It's it's only a matter of time before shit pops off. A hundred percent. And just to keep the train rolling, I'm also going to give it an eight point five, which gives us an eight point five, as you may have suspected, <laughs> out of ten. For you just this didn't want to have to do math. It's like originally, no, I had eight point two, the but the whole equation is up. <laughs> On my screen, I don't generally do the whole decimal thing in general, but (laughs) sometimes I do, and I do agree that these are above average, especially considering what we've seen up to this point from the series. It is a lot of frantic action. It is a lot of, you know, back and forth, parallel planning and thinking and action, and, you know, all in two episodes. It's a really quick 44 minutes. I didn't feel like I had been sitting at my screen for 44 minutes by the time I was done watching them, so... 8.5 8.5 out of 10 for Assault and Love from Sudden But Inevitable plus Philip Krogmeyer. Now, speaking of Philip Krogmeyer, my good friend, thank you so much for being here with us in this very special, very different non-live version of Sudden But Inevitable. I can't tell you how much it means to us to have you here on one of your few days off. I know that everybody who makes an independent podcast has a real life, so thank you for spending some of your time here with us to discuss the show if the folks out there would like to get more Phil in their days, what's the best way they can do that? Best place to find me is going to be on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at FlipWriter. Uh, you can also find me at SwordsOfTheAncients.com, which is my blog where I do a bunch of book reviews and generally just kind of talk about library world stuff because that is what I do. 
Library World is one of my favorite theme parks. Uh, it's pretty easy to get tickets to, though. They almost never. Sell yeah, them. you know, they they shut shit down when people started screaming on the Library World roller coasters, and then it's just like, no, you can't. To be quiet. Quiet. It's a very slow roller coaster. Yeah. Did you guys get to Library World in Super Mario Three? They had like just uh, only past only, that. only Library World Two. Never got to Library World Three. Yeah. I always needed you know, that extra was... flute to get there, and I could never, I could never get it. Yeah, I always warped past it. everywhere, man. Just yeah, I I was a, a World Seven guy myself. Uh, Josh, if the folks out there are looking for a little bit more, Josh, what should they do? Uh, you could follow me on Twitter at Twist My Armcast, or you could follow my other podcast at Quest Me TMA. Um, that's kind of what's going off now. I'm I'm spending a lot more time with Quest Me than I am on the Twist My Armcast page. Um, there's a lot of stuff. Quest me. I'm I'm going hard with that show in the next few months. Um, we we got to the man. We got we got Obi Wan coming I mean, up, man. You got to be ready. We're gonna hit the ground running. The with Kenobi that. series is gonna be great. Phil's gonna be joining us on that. Jesse's gonna be joining us on that. Ricky hates Star Wars, so we exed him from anything. Uh, but after that, there's a, there's. I mean, again, I'm going hard with Quest me. So we're doing Kenobi, and then I do have plans for the season right after that. Um, that's gonna be a ton of fun um so definitely follow me on twitter at quest me tma um you can find all of our podcasts sun inevitable quest me twist my arm best flicks with ricky d um the intrepid dm by going to twistmyarm.net um that will have all of our podcasts in one area um with quest me i am starting up the actual blog on our website so um, hoping that the other dudes in the network get into the blog because I don't want it to just be Star Wars posts on there because that's what it will be if uh, people aren't writing in those blogs but again be on be on the lookout for a lot of new things coming out um, at twistmarm.net and then anywhere else you follow podcasts um, YouTube is a really good place don't forget to find us there so you can see us anytime we go live. Um, that's for any show, Sudden But Inevitable, Marvel Cannon Madness, Quest Me. Look, uh, Search Twist My Arm and smash that subscribe button and ring that bell to be notified every time any of our podcasts go live. And of course, that web address is youtube.com slash twistmyarmpodcast. Go ahead and subscribe. Ricky D, my friend, if the folks need more Ricky D, what do they do? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at D. And you can find me here on the Sudden But Inevitable podcast most Friday nights. We're going to get back on schedule starting next week. Uh, that's the best place you can find me. Uh, I would love to have somebody send me some questions on Twitter. Uh, you know, I was looking into, uh, does Misa actually have borderline personality disorder? If anybody has any, uh, you know, maybe you found some articles on it or maybe you just have your own opinion. I'd love to uh, get some thoughts on that. I love it. And of course, if you need more of me for whatever reason go to twitter and follow me at sudden but you can go to instagram and follow me at sudden but inevitable podcast and of course my new star trek podcast with cameron and john of green shirt a newbies trek through the next generation is called open pike night and it is covering star trek strange new worlds if you are hearing this episode on the day that it releases please this week make sure that you watch episode four of strange new worlds titled memento mori then send your thoughts in an audio file of 90 seconds or fewer to openpike at gmail.com to be featured in our spotlight on our main stage we cannot wait to bring as many Trekkie voices to the forefront as we possibly can, and even a couple of Star Trek detractors, if you haven't noticed. Just use whatever app you use to listen to Sudden But Inevitable and go look up Open Pike Night, and you will get 
the Star Trek version of me doing this. And I got to say, I think you're going to like it. It is a really fun time. I can attest to to Open Pike Night, and it's it's great. I much appreciate I, that. Thank at you. At the very least, it's a damn good name. <laughs> That's uh, not the first time that we've heard that. That is a, a common like thread a for callers. Yeah. They go, and that name, listen to that name, Pensylvester. How are you going to kill I'm calling in the next time and going, your name fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I also am not in charge of playing the clips, so I hope that you don't get blacklisted. <laughs> Gentlemen, we don't have a live chat to say thank you to as we normally do, but I think we can still take this moment to say thank you to all the listeners out there in podcast land. So thank you for listening and for coming back every week to listen to Sudden But Inevitable or watch it on YouTube or consume it however you do. Just thank you for being here. So you guys, let's go ahead. Let's get out of here. Let's sign off. And for that order, let's go Phil, Ricky, Josh, and then myself. So for Sudden But Inevitable, I have been Jesse. I'm Philip K at Flip Rider. This is Ricky D for Best Flicks with Ricky D. This is Josh. And this is so amateur. This is not how I would have done it. It would be much higher production value. It would look way better. And there would be none of this. Thank you for listening to Sudden But Inevitable. Follow us on Twitter at Sudden But. Find us on Instagram at Sudden But Inevitable Podcast. To get everything all in one place, go to twistmyarm.net slash SBI. And join the show live in the chat at youtube.com slash twistmyarmpodcast. Sudden But Inevitable is a Twist My Arm podcast. The views and opinions expressed on this show are held solely by those speaking them. I'm going to find it. It's going to... I'm going to show you